We already read it tonight, but we're going to read it again. He becomes confederate with him to overthrow his father, David. And so these two men, Joab and David, had a lot of things, skeletons in their closets. And their relationship was pretty much over by this time. And David should have dealt with Joab while he reigned, but he didn't do it. But he exhorted Solomon to take care of it, to take care of Joab's murders and treason. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. You are amazing, God. David wanted Solomon to begin his reign in justice and to first give justice to Joab, who was guilty of the murder of both Abner, the general of Israel's army under Saul, and Amasa, one of David's military commanders. Joab is one of the more complex characters of the Old Testament. He was fiercely loyal to David, yet not strongly obedient. He disobeyed David when he thought it was in David's best interest, and he was cunning and ruthless in furthering his own position. Although David didn't reveal everything regarding Joab's past, he left Solomon to deal with him. Now here's Pastor Rob's teaching, already in progress. So he said to him that, that you may prosper, Solomon, wherever you turn. And also, the second thing that he said this to him is that the Lord may fulfill his word, which he spoke to David. Yes, to David in, in 2 Samuel chapter 7, beginning in verse 12. And that was the Davidic covenant that God made with David. I would encourage you to read that. And be, bear in mind that as you look at 2 Samuel 7, verses 12 through 6, I would give you a couple other scriptures to write down because 2 Samuel chapter 7 only gives you a portion of of what God spoke to David. Only a portion. And you might want to mark these uh, scriptures down. They're all in 1 Chronicles. 1 Chronicles chapter 22, verses 6 through 10. And also 1 Chronicles chapter 28, verses 3 through 7. Because God told not only David that he, he would have a son who would, be, who would be on the throne and he would establish his throne forever, but he also named Solomon by name and told David that his son Solomon would be the one. And so all of this was known to David. And yet when Adonijah came on the scene, you would think that you know David was so old and incapacitated, he, he wasn't really communicating. He wasn't a good communicator um, uh, with his family. And maybe things would have been different if he would have just shared the whole thing with, the whole, with all the whole country and remove all doubt because Adonijah was fourth in line. Absalom had already died and the fourth in line was Adonijah. It would have seemed obvious, but David could have cleared everything up right then and just told everybody, hey, listen, God spoke to me and this is what, this is the heir to the throne. But for whatever reason, he didn't. Maybe just time, maybe who knows what it was. I don't even want to presume. But in those other, in First Chronicles chapter 22 and 28, you see the rest of the story 
of what God told to David in that covenant. And it's very important that you read that because uh, it really names Solomon by name. There's no question mark about who was supposed to take David's place. But notice back in our text in verse 5, he says, Moreover, you know also what Joab, the son of Zeruiah, did to me and what he did to the two commanders of the armies of Israel, to Abner, the son of Ner, and to Emesa, the son of Jether, whom he killed. And he shed the blood of war in peacetime and the blood of war on his belt that was around his waist and on his sandals that were on his feet. Yes, Joab, David's nephew, was loyal to David as long as it suited Joab's purposes. Joab was loyal as long as it suited his purpose, but he was a self-willed man. He was a bloodthirsty man, very unlike David. David was a very gracious, a very merciful man. We see his character all throughout Samuel about how, how careful he was to do that. He was a great warrior, and when he was in war, he killed for the cause. But when he was not in war, he didn't just kill people. He, was very, he held life uh, as uh, sacrosanct. It was, it was sacred to him. And he knew that when I'm not in war, I have no business killing people just because they're my enemies. Joab was of a different sort. He did do those things. So notice in verse 6, Therefore, uh, David says to Solomon, Therefore do according to your wisdom, and do not let his gray hair go down to the grave in peace. And you know, as time went on in David and Joab's relationship, remember, they're, they're related uh, both of these men had things against each other. Uh, they had both put each other in difficult positions. But I believe that Joab was more of a liability for David than the other way around. And there were issues between the, uh, the two of them. Number one, David, uh, remember, commanded Joab through a letter. Remember when he got Uriah, the Hittite, who was one of his mighty men, he got his wife pregnant, remember? It tells us in Second Samuel eleven and twelve, and that happened. And uh, he tried to get Joe or um, Uriah to come back from the battle field to visit his wife, and obviously have intimate relationships with her, hoping that it would cover up the fact that David had already impregnated her. But Uriah, being a man of integrity, he would not, and so. David finally sends him back to the battle, but not without a note that was sealed with a signet ring. And that note was his own death sentence that he delivered to Joab, the general of the army. And in that letter, David told Joab to stick Uriah in the very front of the battle, in the heat of the battle, where he would surely be outwitted and outmatched by the warriors on the front on the other side, and that he would be killed. And that's certainly what happened. And so Joab had some info on David. He had some dirt on David. And I think that David, and that was what David felt he had to do to cover his sin. And then we know that Joab killed Abner and Amasa, in cold blood, and so David had that over on Joab. Joab also despised David taking the census, and he did it half-heartedly. And Joab was, at this point, and later in, 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 the, in David's reign, was really getting, their relationship was really getting stressed. And finally, Joab would be confederate with David's son, Adonijah. We already read it tonight, but we're going to read it again. He becomes confederate with him to overthrow his father, David. And so 
these two men, Joab and David, had a lot of things, skeletons in their closets. And their relationship was pretty much over by this time. And David should have dealt with Joab while he reigned, but he didn't do it. But he exhorted Solomon to take care of it. To take care of Joab's murders and treason against David. But notice back in our text it says, But show kindness, David says to Solomon, Show kindness to the sons of Barzillai, the Gileadite, and let them be among those who eat at your table. For so they came to me when I fled from Absalom your brother. And uh, what a wonderful man this Barzillai was. And you can read about him in Second Samuel uh, chapter 17, verse 27. And you can also read about him in Second Samuel chapter 19, verses 31 through 39. We're not going to do that tonight, but uh, check out Second Samuel 17, chapter, uh, 7, chapter 17, verse 27, and Second Samuel chapter 19. Uh, 31 through 39. And that kind of gives you the, the, the relationship that David had with this man who took care of him. And see, that, that, that was David's character. You take care of me in, in my moment of need, and I'm going to make sure that you're taken care of. That's just the way he rolled, and I like that. I think that's a good thing. Because why would you do the opposite? Why would you do well to someone who is, or do harm to someone who has done you well? It doesn't make sense. It reminds me of the same kind of kindness that David showed Mephibosheth. Remember who Mephibosheth was? Mephibosheth was Jonathan's son. In other words, King Saul's grandson. Because King Saul gave birth to Jonathan and other sons. But Jonathan gave birth to Mephibosheth. And after Saul and uh, uh, Jonathan were killed in battle by the Philistines... David at one point says, is there anybody of the house of Saul that I could show kindness to? And they said, oh, there is one, but he's lame on his feet. He was dropped as a baby, and here he is. And David took this man, who would normally be an enemy to the throne of David, because it was his rival. Remember, Saul was after David, and all of Israel was after David at one point. And David could have killed him and ended his father's reign and his house, basically, but David, notice, chose compassion. It reminded me of that again. You know, just the kindness of David. And boy, kindness is such a wonderful thing. It's something that you don't see a whole lot today in this world. You know, we're Christians. Are we kind? Or are we just nasty and mean? You know, we've been through a lot together. The whole country... There's reasons to be upset and frustrated, certainly. But, you know, I, I look at some of the things I, every now and then I, on social media and I see Christians and the things they say and the things they do and how nasty they can be. And I'm like, you know, I just don't know where they went wrong. You know, why is it that we've got to be that way? I think we could do much better by being kind. And I, I need to remember that because I get angry, too, and I need to change as well. So verse 8, back in our text, David again speaking to Solomon, he says, And and see, you have with you Shimei, the son of Gera, a Benjamite from Baharim, who cursed me with a malicious curse in the day when I came to Mahanaim, but he came down to meet me at the Jordan afterwards, when I, and this is when David was uh, restored to his kingdom after Absalom had died. Um, 
Shimei comes back to meet him at the Jordan, and, and David says, And I swore to him by the Lord, saying, I will not put you to death with the sword. Did he deserve to be put to death? I mean, as David is, remember, leaving Jerusalem, this guy is up on a hill, and he's cursing David in front of all of his family as he's going into exile, leaving Jerusalem, knowing that Absalom is coming after him. And this guy, Shimei, this Benjamite, is cursing David and all of his family, throwing rocks and kicking dust on them as they go by. And in fact, Abishai, one of David's nephews, says, uh, should I go take that dead dog's head off his shoulders? And David says, no, leave him alone. Maybe God has sent him to humble me, you know. And again, just what a wonderful character David is. See, that's the kind of stuff that not many people are made of today. To bless your enemies, to those who despitefully use you, to bless them and not curse them. And David had made an oath not to harm Shimei, but Solomon had, there was no oath that Solomon had made to do the same. And so, um, I, I just want to mention a couple of scriptures here, and I want, I want you to write them down, because in these two scripture references, you'll, you'll understand what happened with Shimei. You'll see him at the very beginning when he's cursing David, and then you're going to see what, how he turns around and all of a sudden comes back to David and begs forgiveness. Oh, I didn't really mean it. You know, you really are a great guy. And all that stuff I said when you were leaving, it's, it's not true. You know, and he just, you know, the crocodile tears. But write these things down because I think it'll enrich as you as you read this passage again. Write down Second Samuel sixteen, uh, verses five through fourteen. Second Samuel sixteen five five through verse fourteen, and also in Second Samuel as well, chapter nineteen, verses eighteen through twenty three. Chapter nineteen, verses eighteen through twenty three. Because in that first scripture reference, you hear Shimei cursing David as he goes into exile. And then in the second one I gave you, you're going to hear Shimei's uh, cries of regret um, as David is coming back into Jerusalem. And now he's uh, spouting a different tune, singing a different tune now. Which is very common for somebody who is about ready to lose their life. You know, you got nothing to lose but beg for mercy. And David, because he was of that ilk, he was the kind of man to extend mercy. He did that. And, you know, last week, um, when we were in 1 Kings, uh, the first chapter in verse 8, um, I made mention that Shimei, that is mentioned there in 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 8, I made mention that this was probably, <coughs> excuse me, I made mention that that Shimei was probably this Shimei that we're talking about right now, but I don't believe it was. After looking into it a little bit more, there, there were over 20 different people in the Bible named Shimei. And um, I believe that this Shimei that, were, that um, was in chapter 1, verse 8, is not the Shimei that cursed David and ultimately uh, you know, um, apologized to him later. So you just need to be aware of that. So notice now in verse 10, it says the death of David. If you've got a New King James Version Bible, the, the caption above these verses say the death of David. It says, So David rested with his fathers and was buried in the city of David, which is Zion, which if you look, if you go to the temple, 
If you go to Jerusalem with us in another year, um, you'll, you'll go to the Temple Mount and you'll see this. And right to the south of the Temple Mount is a strip of land, and they've uncovered there, and that is the city of Zion. That is where David's kingdom was. Because when David was king, the Temple Mount was nothing more than a field. It was flat. There was nothing on it. That's where ultimately Solomon would build his temple. But during David's time, there was just a strip of land going down to the south, and that's where David had the, a tabernacle. That's where he brought in the Ark of the Covenant. And that's where he had an altar. And that's where David was buried. And so he rested with his fathers in the city of David, which is called Zion. Okay, Zion is that little strip of land just to the south of the current day Temple Mount. And they've uncovered a lot of that stuff. It's really amazing. You can go and you can see right where his palace was and the remnants of it. It's really fantastic. But So notice in verse 11 it says, The period that David reigned over Israel was 40 years. Seven years he reigned in Hebron, and Jerusalem he reigned 33 years. And then Solomon sat on the throne of his father David, and his kingdom, notice, was firmly established. You know, uh, firmly established. And, you know, because his father made sure that Solomon's reign would be something special because God made it something special. And in fact, in First Chronicles chapter 29, which is a uh, parallel to the account that we're looking at tonight, in verse 23, it gives us a little more information about this. And it says that Solomon sat on the throne, and this is First Chronicles 29, beginning in verse 23. And it says, Solomon sat on the throne of the Lord as king as king instead of David his father, and he prospered, and all Israel obeyed him, all the leaders and the mighty man, mighty men, excuse me, and also all the sons of King David who were born to him, of course, in Jerusalem, they submitted themselves to King David. Thank you, Jesus. And so the Lord exalted Solomon exceedingly in the sight of all Israel and bestowed on him such royal majesty as had not been on any king before him in Israel. What amazing grace that is. Wouldn't you agree? Amazing grace. Because David did everything. David wanted to build the temple, and God says, David, you're a man of blood. You're a man of war. You're not going to build the temple, but your son Solomon will. And so David said, well, if I can't build the temple, then I'm going to make sure my son has everything he needs. I'm going to have the artisans. I'm going to have all the lumber, all the gold, the silver, the bronze, uh, the timber, uh, you name it, the precious stones. I'm going to mass this up, and, and it was just incredible. And David even ordered, he had the, the whole template, the, the blueprint of the temple, what it was supposed to look like. God gave him that. The blueprint of the temple. And how everything will be divided in, in order. There'd be this group of people serving this week, and next week this group of people would be serving, and the next week, and it would have a, a, a routine and a rotation of all these servants. David did all of that and basically just handed it to Solomon. Solomon was very young when this happened. But David made sure that his son had everything he needed and everything was going as smoothly as planned. And I love that. In Proverbs thirteen twenty two, a wonderful verse, it says this, A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. And I love that. Not only to his children, but his children's children. You know, God has given him such wisdom and such grace that he's very careful about his finances, so much so that he's able to store and to save. And when he finally passes on, he's able to give to not only his children, but his grandkids. 
That's a wonderful thing when that can happen. We're going to see now in verse 13 that Solomon would ultimately, he's going to execute judgment upon Adonijah because of his treason and treachery and also Abiathar the priest because of his conspiracy with Adonijah and David's nephew Joab. And uh, so let's look at verse 13. It says, Now Adonijah, the son of Haggith, remember David had six sons by six different wives while he was in Hebron, and Adonijah was the number four son. The first one um, was Amnon, remember, and he was killed by Absalom. And then the second son, whose name was really Daniel or Chileab, um, he must have died when he was a really young man. The third son was Absalom. Absalom was killed by Joab, David's nephew. And now the fourth son is Adonijah, the son of Haggith. Notice he comes to Bathsheba now. He doesn't come to Solomon. He goes to the mother. He goes to the mother. You notice that? He doesn't just request an audience before the king. Maybe he knew better. And maybe his death sentence would have been that day. I believe that in his heart he knew that he had to speak to somebody a little softer, somebody who might give him a few cookies. Oh, Adonijah, that's so horrible what happened. I know my son is king now and you're nothing, but you know, maybe some chocolate chip cookies would, you know, bring solace to your pain. You know? I don't think uh, Bathsheba was like that, to be honest with you. And I don't think they had Hershey's chocolate chips either, which was a travesty for David. But anyway. So anyway. So Adonijah, the son of Haggith, comes to Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon, and so she said, Do you come peaceably? There's reason for her to say that because uh, he thought he was going to be the king. And now Solomon's the king. And he said, peaceably, I come peaceably. Moreover, he said, I have something to say to you. And she said, say it. And then he said, you know that the kingdom was mine and all Israel had their expectations on me that I should reign. Do you sense in that tone of his voice, even just by reading that, do you think that he's really settled with the idea that Solomon should be reigning instead of him? I don't think so. I think he's basically, there's, some, there's a root of bitterness, and certainly there is a root of bitterness. However, the kingdom has been turned over and has become my brother's, for it was from the Lord, his from the Lord. Now I ask one petition of you, do not deny me. And she said, say it. And, she, and he said, please ask, speak to King Solomon, for he will not refuse you, that he may give to me Abishag, the, the Shunammite, his wife. And so Bathsheba said, very well, I'll speak for you to the king. So Bathsheba, we, we remember what happened, right? She goes in, basically, I'm just going to paraphrase because we've already read this. She goes before the king, and he bows, and, and, and he, she basically tells King David that Adonijah wants Abishag, the Shunammite, to, to be wife, his wife. Now, remember that Abishag was the young girl, the virgin girl, when David was really old. It tells us this in the first chapter, if you weren't here last week. That David was really old and he just couldn't keep warm. And so they searched out. And this was common in those times. It wasn't like he was having intimacy with her at all. It had nothing to do with that. He was an old man and she was there just to keep him warm at night. And she would tend to his needs, take care of his feet and you know, you know, rub his feet to get circulation. That kind of stuff. She was basically an aide to him. But now Adonijah wants her to be his wife. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 1 Kings. 
Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as our location, service times, information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, and information regarding Bread of Life Academy, our new school opening in the fall of 2023. Just click the school link at the top of the page for more information. Additionally, you may also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play Podcast or Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.